everyone and welcome to the Girls in Movement podcast, a not-for-profit which is all about empowering and educating young girls across the globe. Now words can't really describe my excitement for my guest today, so I'm going to play it a little bit cool and not embarrass myself. Now our guest is best known for her incredible work on bringing stories from different parts of the world right to our screens at home. She's made over a whopping 80 documentaries and has been investigating stories for over 12 years and I can safely say she's the UK's most celebrated journalist. Her films take me on this roller coaster of emotions. I suppose that's because of the way she reacts and interacts with whoever she meets. She's relatable to every walk of life. One thing I love about my guests today is that they're an incredibly hardworking individual and truly someone who has hustled hard for their career in television. Now, today she's on the other side of the microphone and hopefully a little more relaxed than an interview on the front line. I welcome Stacey Dooley. How are you? Hey! Hello, girl. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Do you know, I'm so delighted to be here. And again, you know, I spoke briefly um, before we started recording. I can only apologise because I should have done this a lot sooner. Um, so thank you ever so much for being so patient and for having me. I really, really am grateful. Oh, I love it. I'm so excited that you're here and I'm so excited for this conversation. Um, no, likewise. Yeah, and I'm really up for it. So me and Stacey actually met over a year ago in Birmingham and you were on your book tour and I was a big fan from watching Blood, Sweat and T-shirts from when you went to India. But to know your full story just made me think, I mean, what an incredible career. I mean, you've gone from spritzing in Luton Airport to filming on the front line with ISIS and then just casually winning Strictly. It's quite the transition. It's quite the fucking transition. Yeah, I know. Very, um, very unpredictable. You feel like it's a bit of a whirlwind when you sit back. Do you know what is funny? But you know what it's like sort of day to day, you're sort of working and getting on with things and you never really take the time to just pause for a minute and reflect. Um, but when I get intros like that, it is, it is ridiculous. And I just feel full of gratitude. So I can't quite believe how it all plays out. Like you say, you know, I started when I was very young. I was at Luton Airport, like flogging perfume. Um, <laughs> And now I make sort of, yeah, really serious documentaries for the BBC, which is hysterical. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Let's start off with some quick fire questions. I'll do this with all my guests. So first question is, what's been your go to Netflix series during lockdown? Shit's Creek. Oh, I've not watched that. Oh, I can't recommend it enough. It, it, the first series, because everyone was raving about Shit's Creek, Shit's Creek. I thought, let me just try and get into this. And it's it's quite handy because the episodes are quite short, so you can do a couple of them, you know. Um, and the first series, I didn't totally understand the hype. But I thought, yeah, it's sort of, um, it is escapism and it's an easy watch and it doesn't require any real sort of concentration, etc. But the second series, you start to fall madly in love with the characters and I've become totally obsessed with Moira. Um, <laughs> She's a real scream, um, and Kev now calls me Moira. He's like, that is you in 20 years' time. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I really, I think you'd love it. And um, I watched Pose at the start of lockdown, the first lockdown, actually, and I just devoured, I just adored that. I thought it was really clever. I thought it was really compelling. I thought it was really emotive. I think, you know, it forced us to kind of empathize and try and understand what life is like or what life was like. I mean, it's, um, it's when it was set, I think it was set in the 80s um, for the um, LGBTQ community. Uh, it was wicked. 
Yeah, have you seen Pose? No, I've not. So what is what is it about? It's wicked. It's um it's set in New York, and I adore New York anyway. So that would you know it's already sold. Um, but it's Billy Porter. You know, it's Billy Porter's um gig, and um it just looks at um really important topics in a really honest, candid way, and um. It's um, got loads of trans, get trans um, actors in it, and they are just, you fall, you fall madly in love oh, nice. with these characters. And it's, um, yeah, it tells you a bit about the queer scene and their voguing. And I actually, I did a film years ago when I was in Detroit, and I went to some of these ballrooms. Oh, um, so, it's It was such a privilege. I, I loved it. <laughs> it started at like 3 a.m., I was yeah, so I finished like eight AM. But yeah, Pose and Shit's Creek, I would say, yeah. Amazing. Give it a go. What's been the one thing you've cooked over lockdown where you thought, shit, I could give Nigella a run for her money? Oh gosh, not very much. I'm terrible <laughs> in the kitchen. Um Do you know I can't lie, I've been living off like beans and toast and Kievs. Love it. I'm the only person in the UK who wasn't baking banana breads. Um, <laughs> I'm useless. I'm totally useless. So, uh, no, I can't fib nothing. Beans on toast. What's been the one thing you've learned about yourself in lockdown? Um, oh, this sounds a bit kind of bit of a cliche and a bit predictable, but I, I suppose it's forced all of us, hasn't it, to just recognize what's really important and I think sometimes I have a tendency to prioritize work and um, perhaps don't take enough time out for the relationships in my life you know friendships yeah. my folks my pals my boyfriend you know um, it has made all of us I think just think right what's it all about and actually you know life is so precious and the people we love we you know it feels like such a treat to be able to hang out with them and touch them and be really tactile so yeah I think it's been I've taken a lot from this mental mental year have you enjoyed it or have you been itching to get out first couple of weeks I was thinking god oh, you know I haven't done this since I was a <laughs> child you know I haven't sat on the sofa and watched Netflix for seven hours and eaten chocolate um, and actually, it just—it's always lovely to sleep in my own bed because I'm often, you know, all over the shop. So um, I loved it. And then I started getting itchy feet, and I thought, you know, I need to do like all of us. So I need to be doing something. I need to make the most of this time. Um, and I feel like everyone was like really fit and learning Mandarin, and just <laughs> I wasn't doing any of those things. <laughs> I still I was growing a gut and procrastinating. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. So, I mean, I certainly didn't know your full story until you spoke about it in depth at the event. But from what I remember, it was literally from your mum seeing an ad looking for young people who were obsessed with fashion. That was kind of the turning point and I suppose a snowball to the start of your career. So talk to me about that. What happened? So, yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. So I was 19 when it became apparent that BBC Three were looking for young consumers, essentially. And uh, the advert was really straightforward. It was like, do you like travel? Do you like fashion? You know, we're making this series about um, consumerism um, and the role, you know, the idea that we're complicit in um, this throwaway sort of disposable 
relationship that, that we have with, with high street garments. Um, and it was just a total eye-opener. Like, you know, I'd never been to India, and India is magic. I mean, it's an assault on all your senses, right? The minute you you get out of the tuk-tuk, you can't, you're trying to soak it all up and figure it all out. Um, so I just adore, I really, really loved India and I loved the Indian people and I loved the culture and they would speak about their heritage. And I just was so excited by it all. And I really threw myself in and it was, it was the real deal. You know, we were working on these production lines and no joke you know it was it was hard graft and you know we stumbled across children working in factories and then it forces you to think about you know your relationship with fast fashion and this assumption that we should be able to buy t-shirts for a couple of quids and then it really just evolved and I got back and the boss at the B was like I found you really sort of um curious and I think yeah I was very nosy but he put it a little lightly and he said I'd love to give you your own gig and the rest is history it's mad isn't it I love that though it's so cool you've been back to India yeah I, I, it's one of my favorite parts of the world um I'd like to I'd, I'd like to travel more extensively around the country because I've been to Delhi I've been to Mumbai I've been um towards the border of Pakistan uh in the cotton fields but um I've been to do you know, I haven't been to Kerala and all my pals rave about Kerala. So my family are from Punjab and my grandparents. Oh, yes. okay. With my grandparents, so that's why I said, if there's any interruptions, like, we'll edit it out because I live in an extended family. So, um, yeah, they're from Punjab and it's like what's going on with all the farmers there. I've been, I was just going to just take the words, I was a bit reading about um, the farmers, you know, they're kind of, there's peaceful protesting and actually, a lot of the the mainstream media, um, the coverage isn't uh, as it should be. And I've been following my pals. My pals, their folks are Indian, and it's it's wild. I know. So how does it work now? Because you're seriously a household name all over the UK, uh, attracting different generations, different audiences. Even when I look at my own family, you know, I've got my mum, my dad, um, my sisters, my brother watching your documentaries. Uh, and of course, you're more well known than when you were doing documentaries, say, in India at the start of your career. Do you tend to have an idea for a new documentary you want to make and then pitch it to the BBC, for example? Or is there a big team of you? It's kind of um, it's quite a collaborative process. So I think certainly at the start of my career, it was much more the channel would approach me and say, look, Stacey, we want to explore this or we've got we've got this set up. Do, do you want to front it? Um, and then I think it just evolved quite naturally and I think you become um more desperate to be involved editorially and you want that report with your contributors before you start filming so you go on the recce's and then you understand what's involved in the edit and you're sort of learning sort of trying to familiarize yourself with the camera so yeah as I mean I've been doing it for over a decade now <laughs> so I now kind of you know you'll be reading through an article or you'll stumble across someone and you'll think oh they are just fascinating and then you can write treatments and you can pitch to the channel mm -hmm. um and there's directors that you really love and so you sort of ask them if they'd be up for it so it's sort of a bit more there's a bit more back and forth now than there was at the start is there a bit of the process that you loved like 
the editing must be fun, like putting it together and looking at it. Well, you know, actually, I'm particularly, I'm just shooting the edit. I'm, I'm not great in the edit. And I think it's really difficult to be completely neutral and completely objective when you're trying to edit yourself. Because I think there's a temptation to pick the bits where you sound a bit smart or, oh, I really, you know, or you think, God, it took us ages to get that scene. And, you know, we spent 18 hours yeah. traveling up to but you can't be precious at all so I don't ever edit stuff that I'm a part of um I really enjoy I enjoy the research actually and I really enjoy the filming I love filming actuality love um, I love it when it's all unfolding and you don't really know what's going to happen um voiceover I hate I'm really, I don't enjoy voiceover at all. I think I've got these dulcet tones. I thought, oh, I'm so sorry. I can only apologise to the British public. No, it's fine. We love it. <laughs> Have you got any advice for, like, kids who obviously started young, but anyone who's young in the industry? Do you know, I think it's much easier, actually, now than it was, uh, arguably, than it was when I started. So I... Um, I took part when, you know, YouTube hadn't really taken off in the way that it exists now. Um, Instagram wasn't a thing. I think we were all still on, like, Facebook and MySpace because <laughs> I'm geriatric, don't I? So I think it's much easier to have a platform and um, make the most of the fact that, you know, we all have a camera and we all have um, the ability to talk about things that excite us or things that we feel passionately about. Um, yeah, and I think there's an appetite. I think we want to hear from people who have got something authentic to say. Yeah, um, yeah I, and I think we've seen that now. You know, lots of people who are household names started off in their bedrooms. Um, yeah. So Girls in Movement is all about uh, empowering and educating young girls uh, in schools across India and hopefully one day globally. And the documentary you filmed in Iraq with the Yazidi girls, I mean, they were young girls, but acted like incredible, fearless women. How did that start? Because I can't imagine going to Iraq is high up on anyone's list. Um, do you know, I have been to Iraq three times now. So I've been to Iraq three times. I've been to Syria. Um, Iraq is beautiful. And I instantly fell in love with the Yazidi girls so I don't know um, how much you know about uh, what happened in 2014 but IS um, had really gathered momentum and you know they were desperate to kind of champion this so-called caliphate and um, they targeted the Yazidi community um, in a place there's an area called Sinjar and um, you know, systematically raped the women and massacred the men. I mean, it was it was the most horrific, um, the horrific, it was, it was just, yeah, it was barbaric. And I had heard about this, but I hadn't heard enough. And then I, the more you, the more you read and the more I sort of understood, I, I couldn't comprehend why this wasn't on the front of every newspaper and why it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the first sort of, news bullet point um, on the news and so we went over there and the girls were just brilliant they were really they were really fun they you know there's a real temptation to be really earnest and really kind of worthy and, and quite kind of serious but they were just so 
lovely and and so relatable and you know they remind you of your your pals back at home and they're doing my hair and you know they're dancing and and I just I thought you are so strong and you are still so soft even though you have lived through hell and you have been exploited and and you have been I just say, so, yeah, I'm I'm so fond of the Yazidi girls and I'm so delighted that we were able to make that film. And I think it really resonated with people. I think they just, because um, they're so progressive and so liberal and they were just saying, look, we were ordinary girls. You know, none of us had this desire to join the army. It was circumstantial. You know, this happened. They came to our home and now we're on the front line trying to fight for what's right. Do you think that was the hardest documentary film? It's certainly up there, but also really proud of it. Really, really proud of it. Um, and I still, you know, we still sort of stay in touch with a couple of the girls. It's hard. I mean, contacts more spread it because they kind of share sims and right. sometimes they take the sim out the phone and then you won't hear for weeks or even months. Um, but yeah, I think they're, they're all doing really well. Oh, good. Love that. So how do you switch off from it all when, I mean, when you're recording, in Iraq, for example, that can't be recorded in a week. It must be weeks on end to get that right clip. How how do you switch off from everything? Mm. I think this is something I'm definitely thinking more about the older I get. I I recognise that I'm a real privilege to be able to travel the world and hopefully give these remarkable girls a platform. And when I'm there, it's all consuming and they are my priority. And I think, right, we've got to make sure that we do this justice and da-da-da. But then I also think, right, you come home and I'm under no illusion that, you know, these documentaries are going to, you know, radically change things or, you know, I I understand what my job is. And my, my job is to make sure that they are heard and then people can form their own conclusions. But you have to come home and recognize your your privilege um but don't don't sort of play the martyr and 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 don't don't give yourself a hard time you know western guilt it's a funny thing isn't it i think as long as you're as long as you're trying to do your bit um that's 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 what i want to do and then i come home and i try and switch off you know I listen to Little Mix and I go on Netaporte and I you know get back to my very sort of middle class existence <laughs> um it saves the world literally yeah but um yeah I think it's light and shade you know it's the same with my work I you know I do documentaries about mental health and uh, suicide and prostitution and drug cartels and paedophilia and then I also you know do dancing shows and makeup shows and you know silly entertainment shows about whose house is this so I think it's it, balance is really really important yeah exactly and I mean are there people that you just think about every day that you yeah there are people that you really have a soft spot for and you think, oh, she was wicked or God, I really loved him. Um, yeah, there's a couple that I think about, you know, they just pop into your head as well. And you think, oh, I wonder where she is now, what she's up to. 
So what's coming up with the documentaries? I saw your Instagram on some new recordings and releases coming soon. Tell us. Yeah, do you know, we've got we've got a lot coming out 2021, so I can only apologise. We've got uh <laughs> we've got another mental health film which we returned to to Springfield. So I did a film a while back, pre-corona, pre-COVID, um, looking at mental health. Yeah. And again, you know, that was um that made for interesting debate and discussion because I think some people don't necessarily agree that you should have cameras in a space like that. And I think other healthcare professionals will argue, actually, we really have to kind of try and erase this stigma that, that still exists. And, you know, just because people are poorly doesn't mean that they don't deserve to be heard. Mm. And I've had hundreds of messages from people yeah. who have said, you know, I've, I've battled with this or I've struggled with that. You know, I would love you to, to try and handle this sensitively um and the first film ended up being really well received um so we went back and um spent some time with the hcas and the nurses and the doctors and um the patients and the families and it's yeah it's in really good shape that one and did a film or a series for bbc2 about dna looking at genetics um and uh, which sounds really dry, but I promise you it's actually it's a great watch. <laughs> and um yeah, it's not me in a lab for three hours. Um uh, what else have we got? Yeah, lots of bits and bobs. And Stacey Sleeps Over is back. I'm all excited about it. Oh, I love Stacey Sleeps Over. What? I love it, but I can't okay. Yeah, it's so it's much lighter in tone. Yeah, in it. So it's it's just about going into interesting families' homes. I'm actually filming one tomorrow, Ooh. so I leave tomorrow morning. We're in Wales for the weekend. It's going to be freezing. I'm going to fucking freeze. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've had some wicked families this series, and um, I wonder if I always get told off because I say too much. <laughs> when does this go out? Uh, when when would you want it to go out? <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know what? I won't get told off. I'll just say I was very vague yeah uh, we've done a really cool we filmed with an orthodox jewish family oh, wow. who were wicked they yeah i'm really i'm really really pleased we were able to do that uh child model family who have a child model uh they were equally as lovely uh what else have we done uh extinction rebellion we spent some time with people that are really yeah really involved in that movement uh traditional wives trad wives Oh, wow so, um, Ooh, yeah there's a lot a lot to look forward to when does I'm probably gonna get sacked but oh well <laughs> when does it come out <laughs> this year uh next year 21 2021 i mean if you could purchase yourself at someone's house for 48 hours who would it be well you know i i know people always say when they're asked questions like this someone really famous and really impressive like obama but i've found over the years, I really enjoy filming or spending time with ordinary people. Yeah. I, I think they're often the most fascinating, extraordinary. Yeah, there's sort of less PR and there's less kind of rehearsed answers. So I, yeah, I love, there's nothing more kind of thrilling than being sat in like, I don't know, a kitchen in Belfast and having a cup of tea with a 70 year old lady who doesn't, you know, has got no filter whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think my sisters uh, would hate me if I didn't mention your style. We all love it. Uh, who are your influences when it comes to fashion, like day to day and stuff? I love that you said that. Just look at the state of me. Um, who am I inspired by? I mean, the obvious ones like Jodie, Coma, who we all are madly in love with. Rosie, Huntington Whiteley, who can do no wrong. Um, I love, you know, Meg Ryan, Michelle Pfeiffer. I kind of love that era, like real sort of sexy, tomboyish vibes. Um, every Danish girl on my Instagram feed. Uh, <laughs> and it's funny, I think, oh, she looks just like a straight 10. And then I sort of, in my warped mind, I look exactly the same when I throw something together. <laughs> I'm actually a ginger Lutonian, so it's, yeah. I promise you, you don't look like that. On your Instagram, it's great, don't worry. Carefully curated. I've just got in actually from work and I've had a delivery from, um, I've been trying to um, rent pieces. Oh, okay. So I'm trying to sort of be a bit more sustainable. So yeah, there's um, a couple of dresses upstairs that I'm going to try on. Where I think I'm going, I don't know. <laughs> Somewhere in a dress to Wales. Cry over pose. <laughs> My frock. <laughs> have you got any small business brands which you're like your go-to? Yeah, I have actually. Well, it's funny. I've just mentioned so by rotation are really great. Okay. Um, so she's lovely. She, uh, the founder, she rotates pieces, and they've got like really high-end pieces, and then some that are um, a bit more affordable. There's another one, H U R R her. Okay. Um, that's where those dresses upstairs are from. Um, but I, yeah, I'm trying to shop, like particularly this year, like trying to shop locally and sort of champion independent businesses because Jeff doesn't need any more money. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's fat. <laughs> he's all right, yeah. So what's the plans for 2021, though? So obviously we've got Space Sweeps Over, documentary, anything else? Yeah, I think hopefully more, more of the same. Um, I'd love, there's a couple of ideas that I'm working on. Um I've got my entertainment show coming out. This is my house. Um, that's what I was filming today, actually. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it's, kind of, it's just so fun. It's like, yeah, it's really kind of frivolous. It's, you go into someone's house and there's one genuine homeowner and then three actors. <laughs> and you've got, to try and, you've got to try and suss out whose house it is. Um, but you know what? It does kind of force you to reflect and think about sort of unconscious biases that you might have. Yeah. you know what I mean like we Very sort of all do it don't we yeah we think oh does she, would she live in a place like this or what does she do for a living or would he have this so um yeah it's really good fun oh exciting is that out this year as well or next year? that's next year uh, everything's out next year <laughs> and my final question that I love asking all my guests is if you could give your younger self any advice what would it be oh well um I would say don't cave into the temptation to conform, um, particularly if you're kind of infiltrating a space that doesn't represent you necessarily. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, very, very early on when I started doing documentaries at the Beeb, I've said this before, it was very white, very middle class, particularly current affairs. Okay. Um, and that can feel a bit overwhelming and a bit daunting. And fuck, what you know, do I belong here? But um, 
yeah, just sort of your USP is you, isn't it? And I, I remember a really great guy who's a bit like a mentor to me saying, look, just, you know, we've asked you to do this because we like what you're going to bring to it. Um, there's thousands of journalists that have, you know, studied in certain universities that we could approach. So that was, I'm really delighted. I'm really pleased he said that to me because it sort of stuck in my mind and just be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's so, you know, it's such an obvious thing to say, but actually it really works. So amazing. Stacey, thank you so much. I've loved oh, my pleasure. You. My pleasure. And uh, really good luck with everything. Oh. Best of luck. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you.